Let's day two of training camp for the Phoenix Suns today. There's been no shortage of storylines in yeah. recent weeks and certainly in the last couple days concerning DeAndre Ayton, Monty Williams, that relationship or lack thereof. Here to talk about it with us from ArizonaSports.com. Our very own Kellen Olson checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, how are you today? Curious who they play on Sunday? You sure? Uh, we we, we I did, I just got Jared, the last couple Jared words. Was, Jared was late pressing the right <laughs> His button. His phone was up breaking up yeah, there. So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> sure that's what was happening. Repeat what you just uh, said, Kale. You're ruining someone else's. That's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> Not, on, not his fault. Uh, his fault. <laughs> you, you were there yesterday when uh, DeAndre Ayton interrupted a question about his relationship with Monty Williams by saying, we haven't spoken since Game 7. And I just want to know what your initial reaction was and, and the reaction as it's kind of evolved since that time because it sent shockwaves through the NBA. Yeah, it, it was really strange timing because DA, of course, was talking the day after media day when a lot of us in the bird, not surprised necessarily, but just maybe taken aback a bit by how subdued DeAndre was. Now, of course, had to do with just the seriousness of the day, and that, of course, led to a bunch of people's different reactions and reads on how the day was and the tone was in the room. But, but with that being said, I think it was okay for a lot of guys to just take that day pretty seriously because of the questions they knew that they were going to have to answer, most of them in a, in a downwardly kind of negative tone, talking about Sarver, talking about Game 7, DeAndre talking about how his offseason went, and so on. And we talked to him for two and a half, three minutes. He was still pretty reserved, but he was starting to open up a bit. He was talking about his new diet and how he's trying to stay away from carne asada fries. And that was literally the last thing that he was asked before we got into all this. I asked him, what's your Mexican food that you've been trying to stay away from? And you talk about Carne on a prize, I'm like, hey, it's DeAndre. And then someone asked about Monty Williams, and then you guys heard all the audio clips for the for the last few minutes of when we talked to him. And it was it was one of those things where he said his answer, and we all kind of looked around for two seconds, and then we quadruple followed up with him. And, and we got that great line that Sarah just read in the update that I, I can show him better than I can tell him. And I, I, I've been around the team now for three years, and I, I certainly do not have access to any of these guys' phones or know how often they talk in the summer, but they reference all the time how they keep in touch, and especially during the summer. I just remember, in fact, at some point uh, before last season, uh, DA kind of referencing getting a text from Monty and, and just kind of getting to work early in the Bahamas. And, and I know that for the most part, Monty talks to his guys in, in the summer, so it was just strange to see how, Everything unfolded, and then hearing what Monty had to say because I, I know I understand Monty's thought in terms of it, it was it was a rough ending to the year, and I just wanted to let the guys breathe. But he just seems like the guy who always keeps in touch with his players, and it, it was just it was just yeah. bizarre how the old the whole day unfolded. Yeah, it's it's very unlike him, and even if even if Da broke bad near the end of last season to levels that we were not privy to. It, Monty is still the type of guy that would have reached out on some level because that's what he is and that's what he does. So if you don't mind speculating, what do you think might be the strategy here behind this? The, the strategy, that that's a really interesting way of putting it. I, I think a, another way of looking at it, Dan, is just you look back to June 30th and July 1st, and, and this is me to be clear where we're in speculation world right now and we're reading four or five steps ahead. Mm-hmm. Look, Monty and DA could have a conversation this week, or, or they could not have a conversation, quite honestly, and we could get to two, three weeks from now, and DeAndre's playing the best basketball of his life, and none of this really matters. Now, that's being quite generous to the situation at hand, but I just want to say we should – 
wait for full judgment until the season starts. But I will say, if, if there was any sort of rockiness to this relationship that is being suggested by the way DeAndre came across, you think back to just June 30th and July 1st and the days that they had to, to trade DeAndre, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't, and, and they kind of waited around and waited with restrictions for agency, and we all said if they get an offer sheet, they should match it, and that still stands even if the relationship is rocky because you can't just lose him for nothing even if in that way. But you just wonder if there was a lack of judgment there in terms of the situation between the two of them personally being being untenable uh, because there were questions in terms of just DeAndre's return in general. But if the number the number one uh, concern would have been overall others if there was reasons to question the relationship between the coach and, and, and their starting center. And, and that, to me, is what I kind of have been thinking about the last 24 hours more than anything else. But, of course, again, to repeat myself, that's looking really far ahead here. But you do wonder if this starts to affect their season. Monty said not at all. And, and by the end of his press conference, he was like, I'm, I'm done talking about this. But, Dan, it, it's hard because Kevin Zerman poured this out on Twitter yesterday. Monty wasn't really directly asked about Game 7 all that much, if at all, yesterday. But he brought it up a couple of times, but unprompted. And that's one of those things where... They're not over Game 7. I don't think they are. That's just one of those things to me that rings out and just kind of says that they're not. And that's just my opinion, hearing from them and everything. And they have said as much the opposite, in fact. They haven't said as much at all. They've said the opposite. But you just hear those kinds of things. And Monty talked about how last night they completely put it in the past and everything. We all know how tough those losses are to overcome over the history of sports and just watching it. And we just kind of keep getting suggestions that, that they're not. But again, we'll, we'll see once the balls start bouncing. We'll see. Kellen Olson from ArizonaSports.com, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Moving on to the Jay Crowder situation. He's not with the team after you know a summer long of uh, cryptic uh, social media messages. It's become clear that they're working on a trade. And I think optimistic Suns fans will say, ah, good riddance. Jay Crowder brought a lot to this team from an intangible standpoint, from a toughness standpoint. Oh, and he can shoot a little bit, too, and gave them a, a bit of an edge. So this is a significant loss, potentially, depending on what they can get back. Uh, realistically, with the whole world knowing about the unhappiness Jay Crowder has, what can they get back in your mind? Oof, that, that, that's the golden question here, Vince, because I, I think the thing to understand is when Shams puts out that report, everyone's like, oh, great, the trade the trade value of Jay Crowder is, is, is dead. Well, I don't think this was a situation that just developed in the last 72 hours a week. I'm, I'm assuming this has been something that's been going for a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of months. And, and you guys know better than me that like this is the type of thing that gets known around the league in terms of how Jay and his agent are working are, are communicating with other teams, trying to find a trade for him, think, things like that, right? And and so it's not necessarily one of those situations, but it, it, it sort of is because that is still one where his value is going to take a hit. And I think the thing that you reiterated at the top of the question, Vince, is really important because, yes, Jay is someone who is one of the streakiest shooters in the league. He's not much of a playmaker either, and his offensive role is sort of just kind of as a, as a plug-and-play glue guy. And then defensively, he doesn't rack up a ton of steals. He doesn't rack up a ton of blocks. He's never made an all-defensive team. But I would argue that he's one of the two or three best defenders on that team. And certainly in, in the discussion, once you get past Mikel Bridges, in my opinion, and I, I don't think anyone can argue that he's one of their six or seven most important players. So when you take away one of the six or seven best players from any team, I, I wrote about this on ArizonaSports.com that just went live about 15 minutes ago, it, 
you just it's really tough you really have to go into your depth a lot but then if you're looking at a long-term absence which i I think this has a chance of being because of how difficult it'll be to find a trade and find a suitable replacement for him you're really going to need other guys to step up and that's why it's so important that cam johnson is in the spot to kind of naturally take over but beyond that their depth is going to get pushed to a little bit of a a tough situation here the longer they try and look for a trade and and that's the thing about james jones is he's i really really doubt he's going to trade jay crowder just for salary filler and a pick he's going to trade him for a basketball player who can play rotation minutes for them as soon as he comes over and finding that right now is going to be pretty difficult but james is going to be patient i think yeah uh, what compounds that is the fact the reports that he could have had bogdanovich straight up but wanted more and lost that deal because of it all right let me ask you this because you've shown the uh the critical thinking ability even when things have been going good on this basketball team to diagnose where they need more and i think you've been right two years running and the team has been wrong when you look at this team right now what do you see what what is their what is their level of preparedness to compete and be a top seed in the Western Conference? I see that not really being a problem, Dan, to be honest. I think this team is a machine at, at this point when it comes to winning in the regular season. And I hate phrasing it that way because then they immediately get compared to those Hawks teams from five years ago. They are significantly better than those teams. But the, the problem is once they get to the postseason, that's when the limited uh, amount of pop that they have on the ball and just their, their avenues of scoring kind of uh, it, it kind of dries up a bit. And, and we saw that kind of run into them. That problem ran into them when in New Orleans, Chris Paul had to do so much when Devin Booker wasn't hurt that by the Dallas series, it seemed like he was kind of just, he had kind of used everything in the New Orleans series already. So then Dallas is trapping Devin Booker and then they've got really nothing else. That's when you look at a couple of different ways of doing it. Mikel Burgess and, and Cam Johnson can get more involved on the perimeter or as many people have been screwing for the heavens ever since he was drafted number one overall, DeAndre can start to be more of a part of the offense going forward uh, in, on the interior. And then you look at the bench and you just want to see more from campaign and Landry Shamit than we saw last year. That's where, as you alluded to, I've been kind of crying from the heavens for the past few years for them to add more ball handlers that they haven't yet. We'll, we'll see if the Jay Crowder trade or something else presents itself. But I just think they need a little bit more offensive pop in. And you, you two are going to talk about this on your show a lot in the coming weeks. The West is loaded. Mm-hmm. And, and I think even if the Suns get the second, third, fourth seed, they fall a little bit short of what we're talking about in the top seed. They're going to be tested right away in the first round, I think, if they land somewhere in there. Because the West is just six, seven teams that could really produce problems and, may, and make a deep run. And then certainly the second round and beyond. It, it's going to be a really tough road for them going forward they've got the pieces on their team but it's just about internal improvement for now unless they look externally yep great stuff as always Kellen. appreciate the time yeah we look forward to you writing Thanks, every guys. day for the next six months Kellen. <laughs> get after it yeah.